0: Good morning everyone, crazy about Pesach, A Pesach makes me crazy. Today we'll learn some of the craziest things you've ever heard about Pesach. At the same time, we're going to understand how whatever we do, essentially we could, we could be doing more if we only understood why we are so crazy. Rabbi Avram Yeshua, Heshel of Aptah, the Apter of, his wife was in the kitchen the day of Pesach. A few hours before the seder is about to start, someone knocks on the door. Someone else opens. Someone else that was hanging around the house opens up. And there's two men, two beggars, and they ask, do you have any matzah that we could use for our seder? Okay, the, the attendant who opened the door looks around and they see a beautiful package of matzah wrapped in this wonderful napkin. They're like, this must be waiting for people by the door. They open up the matzus and they give it to these two men. The Rabbitson finishes up her work and she's looking around and she sees the empty napkin. And she knows she's in for she's it. In Those matzus were the matzahs that her husband had baked just a few hours prior. The ultimate matzahs are baked, Erev Pesach. And he baked them to the highest standard with every type of stringency imaginable. His personal six matzahs for the Seder. These were the matzahs and they're gone. What could she do? She tells her husband, it's not going to be good news. What happens? She goes ahead. She finds three matzahs of regular standard, places it in the napkin, wraps back up the napkin as if nothing happens, and leaves it alone. No other choice. Her husband goes ahead, performs a seder, enjoys the matzah, every life is beautiful. She completely was able to ignore the issue. Following Yom Tov, a couple a husband and wife come to Avram Yeshua and they tell him we're done we need a divorce so the rabbi says tell me what's the issue what happened and the husband says this is very very serious I have a custom on Pesach that nothing is allowed to touch water no matzah whatsoever is allowed to touch Water. And therefore, I told my wife that we need to have specific utensils to be able to deal with this standard, and she wouldn't listen to me. This is horrific. She is breaking the holiness of Yom Tov, and we're done. The rabbi listens and he calls in his wife. And he says, Wife, tell me about the matzois. That I ate the first night of Pesach. Tell me, what do you know about them? And she starts eking and becking. And he says, No, no, don't, don't be worried. Tell me. And she says the whole story how the matas had been laying out in a the napkin they have been given. And this, so Rev Avram, Yeshua Heschel, turns to these couple and he says, Look, my matas were given away. My special, special matas, I didn't do anything about it. Let's, let's look past this issue. And because of the incident that happened with him, this couple was able to ignore what had happened. You know, when it comes to Pesach, I'd like to share with you the following article I found. It's an amazing article. It says, famous quote, this is not their credit. Dust is not chametz and your wife is not the carbon Pesach. She's not the Passover sacrifice. That's A. B. Don't confuse Pesach cleaning with spring cleaning. Focus on the chametz. Oftentimes we start cleaning for Pesach and we get confused, we need to clean all our cabinets have to be organized. Let's not confuse the two, Pesach only requires, doesn't require any order, you don't have to revamp everything, it requires making sure there's no leavened bread in your house. Number three, you don't need to remove your wall to wall living room carpet, vacuuming is sufficient. Treat yourself to steam cleaning. Thank you to Astro Carpets. Okay, it doesn't say that part. Yeah. But. <laughs> you don't need to remove large bookcases from the wall. Please don't dismantle your sanitary H2O flow system excess food eliminator, a.k.a. toilet. <laughs> Do what is reasonable. You may hire outside help. And make it easier for your wife. Make it easier for yourself. Remember that preparing for Pesach is not only about searching for Pesach behind the refrigerator. Hammet can also be hiding in your cabinets, your character traits, and the way you treat others, especially your wife. Make sure to buy her something special for Pesach. Why are you looking at me, <laughs> So when it comes to Pesach, sometimes we do overreact, but there is good reasons for it. You know, you walk into a home before. This past Shabbos, I walked with two of my students on Shabbos to a fellow who davens here very often and by his house, his wife was telling us that one time, my father went to visit them like months before Pesach, January. And he walks inside and this woman is relating the story and and she's freaking out about Pesach. She says, it's crazy, Pesach is coming in a few months. So she relates that my father responded. He said, don't worry, this goes on in every home. You know, in a, Every home is crazy about Pesach. You know, when we talk about Pesach, I'd like to show you just how crazy we are. Let's look at this chart. Front chart, if you don't have it, there are more handouts around. Let's please hand them around. Pass, oh, pass one to Yitzchak, please. You know, let's look at this chart. We start off with the feather. We search for chametz, okay? Well, and the search happens the night prior to Pesach. We check any place that perhaps chametz could have been brought. A place being sold to a non-Jew does not need to be checked. It should be locked throughout Pesach. Let's continue down. Okay, we search. Well, if we don't find chametz, that's, that's the end of the conversation. There's no continuation. You didn't find? Wonderful. But chances are you will find chametz. Maybe you have some chametz in your freezer. Well, if you found chametz, look at the options. If it's before noon of Erev Pesach, well then you have two options. You can nullify it, you, and which we do. You read a prayer and you say, this chametz has nothing to do with me. Anyone who wants could take it. You could sell it to a non-Jew, which this we also do. We write a contract to a non-Jew saying, you know what, please buy my chametz for me over Pesach. If you found the chametz a few hours before Pesach and it's too late to sell it anymore, well, if it's on Yom Tov, on Yom Tov you can't do anything. Yom Tov it's Muktzah. Chametz is not allowed to be touched. So you cover it and you burn it on Chol Hamot, as you could see with that bowl. If it's Chol hamoed, it's a day where we're making fires and touching items is, accept, is acceptable so then you could burn it. Just over here in this chart you see there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on when it comes to searching for Chomets. Let me share with you some additional items about Chomets. Um, Menachem, please bring a chair for Alan. Thank you very much. You know, if you could turn the page and follow me on the, with figure 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and 7 on page number 3. We're going to look at these six pictures. By raise of hand, how many Sephardim do we have in this room? One Sephardi. So he will not be worried about what we're going to learn right now. But, Alan, please make yourself at home, take some food, please. Absolutely. So, let's look at kidney By raising of hand, how many people are familiar with the word kidney Okay, a a good number. You know, what I wanted to show you is, look at figure 2, 4 and 6. In these three figures you could see you have bags of flour and let me tell you, this flour is very similar, almost identical to flour made out of wheat, barley, spelt, oats of the five grains. Peanut flour, look at that. Trader Joe's, sells a bag of peanut flour. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's from Trader Joe's. Figure four. You have white rice flour. Okay. Flour, it looks like flour made out of rice. Figure six is interesting, we'll discuss it, but you also have quinoa flour. And now let's look at the products made from these three flours. Peanuts, look at that bread. Figure number three. Beautiful bread. Figure four, figure five, look at that rice, that loaf of bread. You couldn't tell it apart from a wheat loaf. Look at those chocolate nut medley quinoa granola bars. Figure number seven. Now I, do not, I am not at all saying that's kosher. I just put the picture there. It, it looks like a normal chocolate bar. Look looks like a normal, you know, uh, granola bar. And because of this, this picture gives it away. Because of these similarities... That is why kidney oat is not eaten on Pesach, because if someone eats you, eat, sees you eating this beautiful rice loaf of bread, my Mendel, what are you doing? I'm, they're not going to know that you're just eating, and they won't know. But nowadays, they make things I, I like I went to Safeway and I saw like this like Pesach loaf, and it looked to me like looked like a loaf of like regular like, brownie or regular bread. It Looked like it could, it could be like you know plummets. But it's has a label on the package saying it's for Passover and it doesn't have kidney in it and it doesn't have, you know, prison you know, dough and it's for Pesach. Yes. Yes, yeah, so Joni is observing that today there are many discussions and it's a complex issue. Um, you know, what is allowed, what's not allowed. I will tell you what's clearly not allowed. What's clearly not allowed is beans, legumes, or peanuts. Anything, we don't eat them on Pesach and we don't eat items made from them because of this worry, this similarity. The discussion and that's why Kinwai said is a question and there's a big controversy whether or not it's quinoa is is because and that's why Joni is saying today you could find items that look like bread even though they're not from these items that we mentioned the peanuts, (coughs) rice, etc. The reason is because, since they're more modern, they weren't around in the times of the Talmud. So, therefore, the Talmud didn't prohibit them. So, some people say, once they weren't prohibited, we're not going to prohibit them either. That is the theory behind it. That's right. Some, a lot of people today are saying quinoa is acceptable for that very reason. That quinoa was something that wasn't eaten. I mean, the times of the Talmud in Babylonia and the times of the codifiers, and therefore in Russia either, you know, in the times of the more recent, and therefore because it wasn't prohibited, we're not going to prohibit it. But again, yes, Mendel. But what about, why can't we eat the, those grains themselves? Why can't we eat rice? We know that. We, mm-hmm. If I see rice. Look at that rice bread. No, but the rice itself. Yeah. It doesn't look like bread. How are you going to differentiate between eating rice and rice bread? What We what, we don't want any issues. So we said, rice, bread could come from rice. No rice. Why? I see that you're eating rice. Yeah. I'm not going to say, what are you doing? You're eating chambats. I know that's what But rice. But you could make rice bread out of it. Okay. And so therefore yeah, we know, can. Know, why can't I eat rice bread? Because uh, rice bread is the same come. thing. You're no. still eating when you're rice. But then said that you shouldn't should be able right. rice, so rice. Most, most, yeah. most nuts yeah. are allowed on Pesach. Yeah. Yeah. Shh. I do want to. We have a lot to focus on, and I just brought up this kidneyos with these pictures. First of all, it's amazing you see it in action, and now we could clearly understand what the worry is. But additionally, does Alan, you have a? If you have a handout, please pass the handout back there. Yes. Yeah. So, but what we do see is we're so worried about Pesach. We're so worried we don't even allow things that may look like chametz. Let me share with you some other fascinating things about Pesach. You know, there's a custom on Pesach, if people come to visit your home, you put out food, but you don't request people to eat in your house. Because maybe they don't like your standards. Pesach, people have every crazy standard. So therefore, if people come to visit you, put out food, but we don't say, hey, why are you not eating? You know, like a good Jewish mother on Shabbos. Why are you not? On Pesach, we don't do that. Many people have the custom to peel all vegetables, because maybe the vegetables got in contact with chametz. What about this one? On Pesach some people don't even say the word bread. Period. There is sources for that. Sugar. It used to be that flour and sugar in stores were sold out of these big cartons. These big barrels. And they had one scooper. You bring me a bag and you tell me how many scoops you want. I put in sugar. You bring me another bag. I use the same scooper for flour. And because that's the way it was in the shtetl, so, therefore, they said sugar is not allowed on Pesach. We oh, I, was also sugar. Worse than that. I was told by Rabbi Zolman Krems that, found that the factory workers, they, they eat their sandwiches, sure. uh, hummus, right near the um, sugar and then touch the sugar and so hummus can be getting into <coughs> the sugar that way. Okay. But uh, in, in the shtetl, that, that, that certainly could be. And that depends on the factory. That depends per place. It depends on the government regulations. Totally. There's a lot going on there. But that's an interesting point. So it to? used to be the custom that no one ate sugar because your sugar is coming to the same place as flour. Then people had a custom, let's boil the sugar. If you boil the sugar and you're going to remove any flour, not a problem. Because of what used to be in the shtetl, that flour and sugar were both scooped with the same scooper, till today many people have the custom. I know in my own home, in my parents' home, we boil sugar. But to get back to the point, is today OUP sugar good? For Pesach, hundred percent. No worries whatsoever. OUP sugar is, is fantastic. What about fish? Some people have the custom not to eat fish on Pesach. You know why? Because back in Europe it was hard to get fish. So what would they do? They had to import it. How do you go ahead and keep fish for a substantial amount of time fresh, well, you marinate it in, in whiskey. That's the, you marinate it in grain, alco- in, in grain alcohol. Sounds good. The alcohol, of course, was chametz, so therefore people don't eat chametz. Interest, what about this one, milk? The milk you drink, did your cow by any chance eat hummets? Yeah. yeah. It did? So then you can't eat the milk. Just kidding, just kidding. It's a question, but you are allowed to eat the milk. Just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, well, <I> thought <laughs> you can eat any meat. Maybe it's this one's now, this is a fascinating thing. Until now I've told you what you can't eat. I want to tell you something that you do eat. Okay. Anyone know what's a famous a famous dish we eat on Pesach? What? Beets. By raise uh, hand, how many people here have beets on Pesach? I don't eat them. Beets. Well, I'll just them. tell you, if you go to my parents' home on Pesach, there's a 79.999% chance you'll have beets. I should have said 99%. Why? Listen to that. this. This goes back to the Tzedukim. The Tzedukim were a group of people that they accepted the Torah and then they backed out a whole story, but they only accepted the written Torah. They said the oral tradition is nonsense. So they looked at they looked at number one on your handout and the Torah reads as follows. Number one on page number one you shall not eat any machmetzes. Let's forget the word leavening because let's read the Hebrew. You shall not eat any machmetzes throughout all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened cakes. That's number one. On page number one, you shall not eat any machmetas. Now, if anyone here knows Hebrew, what does chimots mean? Chimots is vinegar in Hebrew. That's why unleavened bread comes from this similar wording. But chimots could also mean you shouldn't eat anything sour. So the tzedukim came and said, the tzedukim came and said, remember, there's no vowels in the Torah, so you can read it any way you want. Because the Tzedukim had no oral tradition, they said that we are reading it wrong. You should read it. Call anything sour shall not be eaten on Pesach, so they wouldn't eat beets. Now, because we want to exemplify, we want to show that we follow the oral tradition. We specifically on Pesach have an emphasis to eat beets with vinegar. With, without vinegar, vinegar on Pesach is a problem, but but only certain ones. Okay, for course Okay, Pesach. Okay. So yes, that's. It. although we mentioned many things we don't eat, now Herschel Yitzchok will know why we eat beets. Clear? Fantastic. Any questions? Mm-hmm. Basha, you had a question? I I, I must have lost it. <laughs> no problem. My Mendel. I understood. <coughs> that you, you can consume milk if you, if you bought it regular milk, if you bought a regular milk, if you bought it before Paisan, but then if you have a if it's during Pesach itself you have to buy a kosher Pesach milk yeah. okay I, I will suggest for now I don't want to get into the details for, suggest for now most, most milk I mean I don't know what's going on in the non-chal of Yisrael but I know the chal of Yisrael is all now kosher for Pesach I don't know I'm not familiar with other milk mm-hmm. but that's a fair yeah, question yeah i about milk too yeah because, because something be the added, added, kosher, kosher for Passover idea. and right. non-chal right. Yisrael right. to, right. to, to right. nullify that okay right. Now, you know, before we continue, I need to make one clarification, one major, major clarification. And that is, like I said, people go crazy on on, on Pesach about all these stringencies. One thing you must bear in mind is, you are not allowed to make up your own stringency. And I've seen this before. I've gone to homes and I don't know, they're hanging from the rooftop, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it, it's actually, it could cause tremendous issues of shalom bias, it could cause big havoc, it could be destructive. So if we're going to be strict on Pesach, we are only allowed to be strict with things that have been accepted from generation to generation. Um, and it's very important for someone that is just, for someone that is just celebrating you know, his first, second or third Pesach as an observant Jew, it's important to, to be careful not to overblow it. Because that could also be very unhealthy. I'm getting some smiles. Okay, good. Now, so, so why, why do we go crazy about Pesach? Why? Handout, in your handout, page number one, number two. Over here we're going to learn the Rambam lists the eight mitzvahs of Pesach. This is number two. Again, it's on page number one. On on the main page, number two. We're going to now go ahead and learn the eight mitzvahs of Pesach. And listen carefully, because if you focus, which I normally didn't do until this year when I was preparing for this class, but if you focus, you will see that these mitzvahs are crazy. Let's see them inside. The laws of chametz and Matzah, we're now going to see the introduction of Maimonides of the Rambam to Pesach. We're going to see his introduction. In his introduction, he lists these eight mitzvot. The laws of chametz and Matzah, they contain eight mitzvot. There are three positive commandments and five negative commandments. They are. So the whole Pesach, everything we do on Pesach surrounds around eight mitzvots. How many of them have to do with chametz? Six. Watch this. Number one. Not to eat chametz on the 14th of Nisan from noontime and onwards. Okay, Pesach starts the 15th but the Torah tells us a mitzvah is we're not allowed to eat chametz already from noon of the era of Pesach of the 14th. Number two. That's, des- walk, walk noon, <coughs> That's right. Yeah. Destroy leaven on the 14th of Nisan. Okay? Number three. Don't eat chametz all seven days of Pesach. Number four, don't eat a mixture containing chametz all these seven days. Number five, chametz cannot be seen in your possession. Number six, chametz cannot be found in your possession. Number seven, eat matzah on the first night of Pesach. And number eight, tell over the story of Exodus on the night of Pesach. Eight mitzvot. Listen here for a second. Listen here. The first mitzvah. You're not allowed Yichametz from time of Erev Pesach. Can you tell me any other mitzvah that the Torah has that the Torah, not the Rabbis, the Rabbis have very often come along and been strict. But which mitzvah do we have that the Torah itself requires us to abstain from something half a day earlier? fast. You're not uh, I know. Go ahead. You're not fasting. It's a Krav of Pesach. That's how we learn it out. But there's no other mitzvah that the Torah requires us to be careful six hours earlier. Number one. Let's continue on. Destroy leaven on the 14th. We have to destroy it? Why do we have to destroy our chametz? Tell us not to eat it. There's already a mitzvah. Number three, we can't eat chametz. The Torah itself tells us we need to destroy it. We don't find this. Let's look at number... Five and six. You're not allowed to see Chametz? What? You're not allowed to find Chametz? It's this so is correct. Absolutely not. Yeah. You could look in the, you could look in Shofanar for massive differences. Shh. The Torah is very strict. Now, when I talk about the strictness, let me share with you two examples. One example would be meat and milk. If someone cooks meat and milk, what is the halacha of that mixture? The halacha is it's prohibited to, have to eat it, of course, and it's even prohibited to make any money off it. Interesting to note, there's a, there's, a, there's a question whether a Jew could work in McDonald's for this reason, even if he's not eating there. Could he work there? And that's because, can he make meat and milk items for people? Okay, so meat and milk, you're not allowed to go ahead and make it. If you make it, you have to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. You can't even give it to your dogs because that's having pleasure from it. So are you saying they cannot touch that food at McDonald's during that week? I'm talking about the whole year. The whole year. Now, but what I want to say is even this strict meat and milk, which everyone is so careful about, even strict meat and milk, which everyone is so careful about. What is the punishment if you eat meat and milk? You get, you get malchus, You get lashes. What is the punishment if you eat chametz on Pesach? Oh, yes. Number three in your handout, next page. For seven days you shall eat unleavened cakes, and the puzzle continues. You shall be cut off from Israel, God forbid, if you eat chametz. Curus. Very, very strict. So meat and milk, it's only lashes. Pesach. All of a sudden, you're not allowed to see it, etc., etc. Now, let's give you another example. Blood. The Torah says a Jew is not allowed to eat blood. Dumb. What is the prohibition if you have blood? Oh, it's the same like Pesach. Yeah. Kares. Very strict. Cut off. But it doesn't say anywhere you're not allowed to see blood. It doesn't say anywhere you're not allowed to find blood. You're not. You're not allowed. To, you're, it doesn't say anywhere you can't have pleasure. Meaning pleasure means, of course, you can't eat it, but you can't use the blood. Um, of, a, of an animal for something productive. So we see that the Torah is, is extremely over the top about Pesach. And not only that, let's look at number. Let's look at number four in our handout. In number four in our handout, we're looking at Shulchan Aruch Harav 442:30, and the and Reb Shneir Zalman says the above represents the law itself. Meaning, remember, the Torah is very strict. And my Shemendel, right now there's two them talking, my Shemendel, the Torah itself is strict, but that's not strict enough. Because Rav Shnerzama goes ahead and says, however, the Jews are holy and have customarily accepted greater stringencies upon themselves. You think the Torah is strict? Well, we Jews, we got together, we had a little huddle, and we said, you know what, it's not enough, let's go over the top. Well. it's... They scrape away even the slightest amount of chametz, even if it is stuck to the walls of a house. Or utensil. Everyone knows that you scrape the walls on Pesach. This is basic stuff, bro. When was the last time you scraped the walls? Last Yesterday. Yesterday you were busy scraping the walls of your roof, right? Oh, absolutely. They have accepted the stringency of scraping down old chairs, (laughs) benches, walls that have come into contact with chametz. Crazy. That means the Torah is strict. And we come along and say, not enough, let's do more. But let's talk about why we're doing this. Meaning, okay, we've gone over the top, we've said yes, the Torah is strict, we've discussed all these stringencies. But let's talk about the good stuff. Number five. Someone who is careful not to eat even the smallest amount of chametz on Pesach can be sure that he or she will not sin for the rest of the year. You want to guarantee that you're going to be the best, you're going to be awesome, you're going to be the coolest? Be careful about chametz on Pesach. Quote from the Arizal. Quote from rev Isaac Gloria, he tells us if you're strict about chametz on Pesach you're in tip-top shape. So it's worth your time. But, and this is the main thought that I really want you to leave with. What is chametz? What, what is the meaning that we have to destroy the chametz? Why do we? What, what is behind this? And what is matzah? Unlovely. And in order to discuss, in order to discuss this together, please follow me to this back paper of your handout. You know, how do you spell the word chometz? chet, mem, sadik, ches, <laughs> mem, and sadik. Ches, mem, and sadik. Let's remember these letters. How do you spell matzah in Hebrew? Mem, sadik, hey. and hey. So, how many letters difference is there between chametz and matzah? One. One the hey and the ches is the only difference. Shh. The hey and the ches is the only difference between the two words, chametz and matzah. Matz. You have chametz. Sh, and you have matzah. The hey and the chametz is the only different. And these two letters. Give it all away. Look at look at the two of them. Look at these two letters. They all have a big opening on the bottom. You know why they have a big opening on the bottom? Very, very sad. Very sad. Look back at number eight in your handout. La pesa chatos revates. At the entrance, sin is lying. Anyone know where this is a quote from? Okay. Fantastic! It's from It's from Genesis four seven. Yes, but what is it talking about? I don't know. Well, Hashem is talking to. Adam. That's right, to Adam, and he says, "La pesach chatos revit Sin is waiting at the entrance. Sin is lying. Be careful. Sin is sin is running after you. No, at the entrance to the grave. Meaning, sin is running after you to bring you down. And these are the two big openings of the He hey and Ches. These are sin. These are big openings. You, we're here, and there, there, is an op- there, there is actively an effort to draw us down. What is that effort? What is that? Well, let's go back now to number six on the handout. The Jewish people scream to Hashem, and they say... We want to do your will. Hashem, of course we want to serve you. Of course. But the yeast in the dough is holding us back, we say to Hashem. What is the yeast in the dough? Comes along the foremost commentator, Reb Shimon, Reb Shlomo Yitzchaki, Rashi, and he says, what is the yeast in the dough holding us back? the evil inclination in our hearts, which incites and agitates us, just as yeast agitates dough. So what is that item holding us back? What is that opening to the grave? That's the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination. So number 7 says, What is the search for chametz? Represents seeking out evil that has been misplaced and scattered. The Talmud clearly tells us in tractate Brachot 17a that the yeast in the dough, the evil inclination is what's holding us back from good. The evil inclination is chametz, it's dough. It's agitating us, like that yeast. And therefore we need to search it out to every last detail. Nothing can remain. We don't tell someone, be a 99% good guy. No, you need to be 100%. We do need to try our best. Of course we're not angels and we're allowed to slip. But we cannot allow ourselves to slip. We have to try our, our hardest, do our best. So that opening of the He and Ches is La pesa HaTos roivates. is the evil, incl- evil inclination to trying to draw us down. Well, now we get to the main point between the He and Ches. Both of them have that opening. Okay. The He has another small, small opening. This picture, by the way, is not so good. I looked for another one. I didn't find one. Why is it not so good? Because they put a massive opening between the top and small piece of the hay. But in truth, halachically, it just needs a little tiny dot separating the two that a child could recognize. That would be perfect for the Torah. So a hay has a tiny space and the ches has nothing. What is that a reference to? Well, comes along, listen to this quote comes along the Midrash and shares with us what Hashem is telling each and every one of us. Hashem turns to all of us and He looks us in the eye and He says, Hashem says, B'ni, my children, peace chuli, create for me a small opening of Teshuvah. Just take a small step of Teshuva. As tiny as the head of a pin. Tiny. Allow me into your heart just that much. Allow me into your soul. And I will open for you openings that even wagons and chariots can pass through." That is, that tiny dot in the hay. That tiny dot in the hay says, yes, the evil inclination is pulling us down, but Hashem, we want to connect to you. We want to be yours. And once we take that step, Hashem tells us in the Medrash clearly, (laughs) <laughs> that opening is going to get bigger and bigger Now it is a good hay Because it's, it's a big hole all of a sudden Hashem is We have that tremendous connection We're not going to fall We're not going to slip down But the ches doesn't have that And that is chametz Chametz The ches The ches has no room For connection to Hashem The ches has no room and that's why we need to get rid of it. Chamesh, this is serious. You're not allow- we're not allowing ourselves to connect with Hashem. And why are we not allowing ourselves to connect with Hashem? Yeah. Because as, a, as the Proverbs, as we learn in Mishli, self-love covers up all sins. We all know. When was the last time this always happens? I mean, I could tell you so many times that has happened to me, unfortunately, of course, but how I go and tell someone else off and when I do the same exact thing, I'm like, oh, but I was tired. I'm okay. Right? We always, self-love covers up all sins. I could go and scream at someone else and what happens to me, I'm like, well, it's not my fault. I I, I didn't see the red light. We always always have excuses. And that is the chest. The ches is, there's no room for anything else. It's me. Me, the me. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. That is why we're so crazy about Chames. We don't have time. We don't have place for this negative energy. We need matzah. We need the ha. We need the hey. We need a li- just a little opening. That's positive. That's positive. And hello, and, Shlomo. The tremendous energy of what we're saying now is all we need is a little positive energy. We're not telling you today you need to turn around your life. That's not at all what we're saying. We're saying you need to just take a small step and Hashem got your back. Isn't that a cool thing? Hashem got your back? That's awesome. So, let's summarize and we'll conclude with two concluding thoughts. In summary, we've discussed how we do go crazy about chametz. We do search it out but we've explained that there's a tremendous energy, there's a tremendous reason behind it. Chomet, if it's not used properly, is evil. We said Chomet represents the evil inclination, the hara within us. And therefore we need to get rid of it. And that, Mendel, thank you, that is why we search out every detail within it. Yes, Elishtam. So, um, if chametz is evil During the year Yes We eat chametz The rest of the year Yes is, It's not evil then Hilo Shlomo was asking The obvious question Thank you for asking it he, If chametz is not good Chametz is not good Why are we allowed To eat it after Pesach Well that's a good question But that's a good answer As long as we're able To control ourselves Through Pesach As long as every year We're able to remind ourselves About How we have to Connect with Hashem then after the seven days of of reminding ourselves we're now able to go ahead and use chametz for the good. There is a lot of good in the evil inclination. Should I tell you one thing good about it? Sure. I'll give you an example. The godly soul is boring. The godly soul, all it wants to do is sit and learn a whole day. It has no patience to run around. The evil inclination, we're told, is a lion. It's an animal. It's, it's, It's running all over the place. If you could grab your evil inclination and draw it to you, you're in good hands. You'll see this wild running maniac rabbi that's getting everything done. So if, if you see that rabbi, call him because he's a good guy. He's got his evil inclination working for good. So yes, Pesach, we have to make sure to get rid of it. But once Pesach is over, hopefully we now have the tools to use chametz for the good. I want to conclude with two points. Number one is a reminder that someone who is careful about not eating chametz, the whole Pesach is guaranteed he won't sin the entire year. Number one. Number two. The Kabbalah tells us that the first night of Pesach, when we eat the Matzah, it gives us, it gives us faith. The first night of Pesach, it's called Michla Dimehem Eating the Matzah itself gives us, it gives us faith in God. It connects us with Hashem. And the second night of Pesach, the matzah is called Michla de'asvasa, food of healing. And you can see this in your handout on the bottom of page number 12, piece number 12. Matzah has a power and energies of healing and, and personally I've heard of numerous stories where people were not well. And by eating the matzah, that itself brought to them a cure. So let us all hope and pray that this Pesach, first of all, will be in Israel. And we'll be bringing the sacrifices, the carbon Pesach sacrifice. We'll be dancing the whole night. Well, we say a hallel by the by the seder. We'll be going ahead, and we'll be celebrating the seder together with Moshe. And Moshe knows how to run the seder. He'll give us a good a good heads up, and we'll be able to go ahead, and then celebrate the crossing of the sea on the seventh day of Pesach. We'll be able to celebrate together as one united people. Thank you very much and a kusher and happy PESA.